You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 95th program of Think Again, a program presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative. We are an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for over 23 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. Today, without my usual co-presenter, Jennifer, who landed a rather bad cold and could barely speak at all a few days ago. So it's me having a conversation with Matt Lloyd Cape, who is a research economist at think tank Per Capita. Listeners may remember an earlier interview about public and social housing we had with Abigail Lewis, also from Per Capita. So welcome to Think Again, Matt. Hi, Jacques. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Listeners will no doubt wonder whether we'll never stop talking and interviewing other commentators about the ongoing instances of pork barreling and rorting in so many areas and by an entire assortment of ministers and others in the present federal government. We've talked in November and June about the combined rorting in sports grants, community development grants, regional grants, women installation, sports grants, and several other instances. And our count added up to about $6 billion, of which 70% went to liberal and marginal seats across the country. At present, we seem to be in the midst of a bit of guessing about what may be behind the haphazard implementation of the COVID vaccination process, with the PM recently needing to tell his ministers to stop blaming the states for all that went wrong with the pandemic response. He also had to admit that 3 million vaccine doses, the the EU presumably wasn't delivering to Australia, were a figment of his and his government's manipulative imaginations. So altogether, not just one policy shamozzle, but apparently an entire government of serial shamozzlers, if that's a word. And to move to our conversation of today, we certainly have not forgotten the federal government's and the PM's reactions to the tragic and destructive bushfires as 2019 struggled to become 2020, to then immediately be overtaken by the pandemic and the lockdowns. And as yet, an other sign that climate change is a figment of us greenies' overheated imaginations. A few weeks ago, large tracts of the East Coast were visited by torrential downpours and resulting floods. Again, thousands of households will be awaiting a federal response and compensation. And it's quite possible that we'll be witnessing a next instance of the series of incompetences, blunt denials, and lack of transparency we have now about become inured to. The seemingly 
total lack of standards of governance and the cynicism of the public witnessing this all are already worrisome enough. And there comes now news of per capita's smokescreen investigation about the rather extraordinary imbalances in the distribution of federal funds to the victims of the 2019-20 bushfires. So, Matt, over to you. And please tell us about, as an entering kind of a theme, can you share with us the purpose of the smokescreen study of which you were, on behalf of Per Capita, the main author, and why was it carried out? Thanks, Jack. Um, well, firstly, I'd love to see your figures of the, the six billion in rorts from this supposedly small state government. I think our mm. estimation of the spending on bushfires certainly adds to that figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were commissioned by the campaigning organization GetUp to investigate the distribution of bushfire relief and recovery money back in November last year. GetUp were in the process of producing a documentary film about the bushfire survivors, and it's called Aftermath, and it's it's out now, and I really recommend recommend it to your listeners. Uh, so GetUp wanted to have uh, a broader context about the funding arrangements to explain why the families and volunteers that the that feature in the film were still in disaster response mode a year after the fires began. Um, and before we move on to the findings. I should say, really, that the research process was very different from what we expected. I assumed a very high level of transparency from state and federal agencies, given the enormous public interest in getting the relief and recovery funding process right. However, we struggled to get any responses from core federal departments, and only one state government department responded to our request for details about the distribution of funds. Mm. And so then what did you find out about the distribution of the bushfire recovery funds? How much and where have the funds then been distributed to, if at all? Uh, we found that the federal government had committed to just over $2.7 billion in relief funding. And that of the $2.7 billion, the government had distributed just under half, so about $1.35 or so billion as of December last year. Um, and there are many different funds, um, but there were three large funds of around $500 million each. And uh, none of these funds had any publicly available information about how much had been spent. So I spent a great deal of time tracking down figures from ministerial statements, records in parliament, and so on. One of these funds was the Federal Disaster Recovery Payment Scheme, which is supposed to provide survivors of a disaster with um about $1,000 or so um, to get them over the immediate um, aftermath of the fire. So people that have been burnt out their homes, lost essential property, this $1,000 was supposed to give them enough money to um, you know, buy a phone, buy some new clothes and so on. Uh, what I found was that as of the end of October last year, only about 42% of these funds have been distributed. Um, and at the current rate, it would take until about the end of December 2022 to distribute the entire fund. So this is pretty shocking, uh, mm-hmm. considering that it was supposed to be an emergency payment for immediate needs. Mm-hmm. Um, the next large fund was um, the Local Economic Recovery Fund. Now, this is aimed at paying for projects in fire-affected communities to get their local economy working again. Um, again, there's no publicly available documents as to how the money was distributed between the states or how it was distributed within the states. But we found that the federal government had distributed the vast majority to LMP governed states. 
Um, so Victoria, for example, received just 6.7% of the funds released so far, whereas New South Wales had received 77% of the funds. So that's the federal split up. But then within the states, we found some fairly shocking patterns of behaviour as well. So the way these funds work is that the federal government hands over these enormous tracts of money, public money to the states, and essentially does nothing to provide any fiduciary responsibility for how it's spent within those states. So we see in New South Wales that the LNP constituencies received around $174 million, while Labour seats received just $2 million. So, yeah, I mean, it's quite shocking, like devastated areas like the Blue Mountains, um, which were absolutely ravaged by the fires and happened to be Labour constituencies received absolutely nothing, whereas Michael McCormack's constituency received tens of millions of dollars. And John Barillaro, John Barillaro even admitted to the New South mm-hmm. Wales Parliament that these funds were distributed without any application forms, no formal procedures. It was just done through phone calls between Mr. Barillaro and whoever he thought should benefit. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I just, it, it's just breathtaking. breathtaking. And I've just been reading a new piece of research by the University of Melbourne uh, about the consequences of the fires of 2009 and they talked about the long-term 10 years after kind of consequences shocking just shocking stuff if one just reads about trauma and all of that and when one then notices that this is just happening all over again it is just unbelievable anyway to help us digest that a bit we'll have some music hanging on mount everest by david hosking And that's followed by a promo. I was in my brand new spaceship sailing away from Earth And I looked over my shoulder and there was a sign hanging from Mount Everest saying sorry we're closed Well I faxed NASA with an image of the sign and I said yeah it was us It's been here a long long time I said well I guessed as much but I'm wondering why And I said well we're hanging from a tree in the car park but it was too far from the sky And our satellite on Saturn so just keep going up And we said when you can see it real clearly Tell us when to stop And it said Well, that satellite of yours has got a pretty nice voice But I guess it just did some sampling And the singer had no choice But it's really not the issue And I'm still interested as to why I got that signing of Mount Everest Closest to the sky And I said, well, you see, they give us trillions And we had a little bit spare It's kind of a joke That's why it's all way up there I said, well, come on, guys I've got a spaceship too You can let me in on this And they said, sorry, fella That you in and our funding is at risk Remember we said it's only a practical joke with a little fire down here that keeps us warm, but all you'll see is the smoke. Fire, fire. I said, well come on you little assholes, there's a lot of hungry mouths down there. I know I'm a long way from it, but I know a little about despair. And I'm sure you do too. In your ergonomic chairs, know some of the discomfort that's hanging in the air. And hanging on bones and hanging on trust But the rains will come or the planes will come And minus will be plus Well I'm sorry about the wheat that crept into this musical letter And I'm sorry about the poetry I know it could be better But there's one thing that I'll never, 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 never be sorry for And that is that this transmission is coming from my core 
and are you still listening? Are you gonna tell me why? You got that sign hanging from Mount Everest, closest to the sky, when no one, no one could see it, but from a long way up, it just seems so pointless and a waste of bucks. Are you still listening? Are you still listening? They said, well, sorry, close. Why it says, in a long way up, on expensive stairs And our work will take us further, even if nowhere No, we're not gonna tell you why it says Well, I'm really sorry about that It doesn't look like we're gonna find out why But sometimes when I write a song, I, I have an ending to it Just like they didn't have an answer, I, of course, really don't have a spaceship. But I reckon, well, it's just opinion of mine, but I reckon they've got lots of them, and they're called UFOs. Sometimes seen hovering over the bonnet of a car in the Nullarbor, or sometimes seen flying in formation in the northwest of Australia. We've got no little green men in bottles or anything in museums, and I'm a bit sceptical as to whether there are anything that exist. A lot of little green dollars, and that's about it, I think. So next time you hear a rumour about a UFO, just think of unlimited funds and lots of O's. Merhaba. Bugün nasılsınız? A Turkish eco-feminist approach to dismantle the toxic misconception of the good immigrant. Intrigued? Well, so are we. The Good Immigrant is broadcasted in Turkish every Thursday between 6.30pm to 7pm. Tell your friends and family because you have a date with Özesuen Özgü. 3CR, 8.55am, Thursdays, 6.30pm to 7pm. See you all then! You're listening to Think Again, 3CR, 8.55am on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Uh, today I'm having a conversation with Matt Lloyd Cape from Think Tank Per Capita, researcher and author of Smokescreen, an investigation in the rather interesting distribution of compensation funds from the feds, from the federal government, to the victims of the devastating bushfires of 2019-20 and the possible rationale behind that. So Matt, 
how has the underspend you have found in certain areas affected people in the fire areas? And well, just, take your, just take your time because I think that is really where people are also wanting to listen to. What's the result for people? Mm, absolutely. And the human side of it is is pretty devastating. My side of the research was mainly to do with the facts and figures, the funding side of it. But I was privileged enough to speak to several bushfire survivors. Um, there were some shocking examples, such as pensioners coming into their second straight winter living in a tent. Um, and you've got to remember that there's some places like Clarence Valley and Kempsey, they're experiencing their fourth natural disaster in 18 mm. months. And I've gone mm. through a drought, a flood, a bushfire, and now another flood. Mm. So the, the toll on these people is, is quite remarkable. And the lack of conversation about it, this in national press, I think, as well. Um, to get more of a sense of the human impact, I would strongly suggest um, listeners look up the, the GetUp called Aftermath by um, GetUp. So that's on the GetUp website or on YouTube. Um, it's very touching, very moving. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing that this documentary and also the Royal Commission made clear is just how difficult it was for people to access recovery funds. So the Royal Commission described some of the application processes as traumatizing. That was their word. Um, and from speaking to survivors, it became clear that this was because of a very high turnover in staff in government agencies and a lack of dedicated personnel. So this means that survivors um, keep on having to explain their story and keep on reliving the horror of those events over and over each time a new caseworker is assigned. Um, and this really speaks to the lack of um, public, sector's work, public sector workers dedicated to disaster responses. So we heard stories of public sector workers assigned to the bushfires and then within weeks being reassigned to the COVID response. Um, and this obsession with shrinking the public sector simply means we don't have the capacity to, to flex up when um, circumstances require. Mm. Mm. So many re reminiscences of the 2009 thing, which I have particularly also witnessed as well as heard from when we were doing some research and some support work mm -hmm. in the areas uh, uh, around around Melbourne. Just unbelievable that we don't seem to have, we, we don't learn, do we? We can't it, capture those lessons. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Your report is quite critical as well about the government spin in public announcements and about their announcements about the recovery funding. As I have been referring to that rather sad characteristics of the FIDs as well in my little introductory musings, can you elaborate a bit about that? And again, yeah. take your time because that is really where I think it touches it touches what we are as human beings. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... It's um, it's certainly a trend of this government, and I think it goes back further um, that we see this obsession with the headline and controlling the story and the narrative. You know, you make the statement, you're allocating X million or X billion dollars to this issue, and the follow-up is secondary to the headline. So mm. we found many instances where government ministers, including the prime minister, made, I would say, misleading statements about the pace of the recovery spending. Uh, one example would be the Minister for Drought and Emergency Management, David Littleproud. Uh, he claimed in a statement to Parliament in uh, November, uh, October that all of the disaster recovery payment funds had been spent. And we know um, from Senate estimates from a um, 
National Disaster Bushfire Recovery Agency uh, staff member that only 42% had been spent at that time. Mm. Um, another example would be where the Prime Minister announced the same funding twice. So he first announced it was around $25 million in funding for a specific pot of money um, for communities affected along the eastern seaboard. And then he redirected those funds to the Northern Territory to tourism providers when the effects of COVID hit. So it was the same money announced twice, and we don't know if it was even spent once. Mm. And yeah, maybe worst of all um, was a senior bureaucrat at the at the NDRA, the National Disaster Recovery Agency. Um, they said in Senate estimates that the the two billion dollar fund that was announced by the Prime Minister, um, I think it was in February last year, was a, what she called a notional fund, as in there's no discrete pot of money. There, there's no money that will have to be spent on this. Um, so if it's a notional fund, what does that mean? Um, and there's no clear explanation as to what that is. Mm, yeah. Right. It's just amazing. It's like notionally saying that Collingwood will, will win the, the competition of football at the end of the year, sort of yeah. like that, that kind of a quality, isn't it? Just Absolutely. amazing. It reminded me of, um, I'm from the UK. Uh, and it reminded me of when Tony Blair failed to reach a child poverty target that his government oh, set. Oh, yes. And he called it an aspiration. He said, no, no, it was just an aspirational target. I remember and, and that. The, the language that's used around these things is just shocking. It, it's just, it is unbelievable. It's like speculative almost, but particularly when used for advertising purposes, since yeah. we do have an advertiser as prime minister, that is a, right. that is a real good, valid comparison, I think. Anyway, let us uh, listen to a promo for a while and then come back for our last section of this program. Have you heard it on the news About this fascist growth thing Evil men with racist views Spreading all across the land They're pulling on the boots in Brazil and wiping off the eggshells in Moorabbin. Fascism's on the march and we say, yeah, nah. Yena Passaran is a new weekly program on 3CR dedicated to tracking this rise in Australia, Aotearoa and all around our increasingly warm little globe. Every Thursday at 4.30pm, we'll be talking to writers and fighters about some angry blighters. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR, 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about about yet another instance of government shenanigans, this time the very irregular distribution of federal funds to the victims of the bushfires of 2019-2020. So Matt, According to you and your colleagues at Per Capita, the authors and contributors to the smokescreen investigation, what does all of this say about integrity, standards of governance of our federal government, and what do you think, what would you suggest needs to be done? So uh, what, what are your thoughts? We have mm-hmm. our own thoughts about that as well, and we have yeah. reflected in many of our previous programs. But over to you, what what is your and think and uh, per capita? What are they? I wouldn't even call them recommendations, but suggestions about what yeah. needs to happen. Sure, I think the I think the audience will probably draw their own conclusions about mm-hmm. how badly this reflects on the on government's integrity. Um, but in terms of 
you know, solid steps that we can take to ensure this doesn't happen again and to and to actually honor the, the needs and requirements of current disaster victims because we're already into the next one mm-hmm. with the floods. That's right. Um, there's a few core issues that I think come up um, and perhaps the main one, the, the sort of the underlying one is that the federal government does need to accept primary responsibility for disaster mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a twofold responsibility. Firstly, we're talking about responsibility to disaster survivors and ensuring that their needs are met. And secondly, to the public in terms of managing these enormous tranches of public money. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This I don't hold the hose mate mentality just fails on both of those counts. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be there for your citizens when it's your responsibility and you have to make sure that the money is spent wisely and equitably. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we would like to see the government genuinely accept responsibility and invest in a public service that's fit for purpose. So mm-hmm. that means, first and foremost, lifting the hiring cap that's currently on public sector employment. Uh, we would like to see an independent inquiry into the use of contractors mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. really investing again in, like we used to, as we have done for a century, in uh, like the internal capacity of our federal government to develop institutional knowledge and to build up teams of people that know how to react mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think one thing that came up with the survivors saying that they had to keep on telling their story over and over to different caseworkers is we need to build up in-house teams of caseworkers at the state and federal government level who actively go out, seek out survivors and marshal them through the application procedures, which are tricky and complex and convoluted. Um, and that would help minimize re-traumatizing survivors. Absolutely. Yeah. It's again the same thing as we have learned after the 2009 fires. It's so, it's so amazing that we don't seem to learn. It becomes almost like culpable, doesn't it? So like a head in the sand, it's a very much a head in the sand approach, you know, yeah. about climate change itself and about the number of disasters that are coming out of it. Hmm. Uh, but I guess the other thing as well is we talked about pork barreling and, and that's something we need to open right up um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and discuss because, you know, we're talking about public funds in the hundreds of millions of dollars being yeah. directed on a whim of, you know, someone that's very politically motivated rather mm-hmm. than motivated by need of communities. So we need to see greater transparency. Um, we need to see central federal reporting of the progress of funds and how mm-hmm. they're delivered and how quickly they're being delivered. You know, someone needs to know whether they're in 10th in the queue or 10,000th in the queue for um, assistance so that they can adjust their expectations. Um, Yeah, we need Mm. to know how the the government is assigning money to the states um, Mm -hmm. and then what processes are used within the states um, Mm. to allocate money to different communities because we're not seeing anything remotely clear at the moment. Mm -hmm. That's right. And particularly also politicians then defending pork, pork barreling as a normal thing uh, of, of governance in this country. That's just amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt, for sharing your findings and your insights with us. We're really glad that we have discovered per capita as being quite aligned with Borderlands and 3CR's values and con- con- convictions. Democracy, justice, equality are still very much worth fighting for. And unfortunately, needing to be fought for and defended. So thank again, Matt, and thanks per capita. Thank you, Jack. Mm, Such a couple of uh, 
announcements. Borderlands now is moving. We will be at our new address from the end of April, 30A Pickett Street in Footscray, in the back of St. John's Anglican Church. The next issue of the new community is a real bumper issue, something like 140 pages, combining the last issue of 2020 and the first of 2021. So, uh, Get in touch with us if you are interested in any of that. Another thing to say is that finally we see that some of the resonances of some of our programs now seem to be working. Some of the victories uh, where we probably have a bit of pretension to have contributed to is that the gas... Uh, the gas flood in uh, Western Port Bay is not going to happen as the uh, Victorian government basically prevented it from happening. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with uh, Jacques Boulet in conversation with Matt Lloyd Cape from Per Capita. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. We would also like to thank Clive Born again for recording and for the music. Stay tuned uh, for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. And to bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yotu Yindi. I've been looking for...